ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard, and I have alongside me, as always, my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, you're you're sipping on tea. You're having a, yourself a Sunday evening. How you doing, brother? I, you know, I'm working on my health, both mental and, and physical and thinking long term. And, I, you know, I'm just basking in the glow of another Horn Frog victory, having some uh, hibiscus tea, which lowers your blood pressure in... Uh, according to a couple of randomized controlled uh, trials. So uh, I'm, you know, just, <laughs> just, just, just really having a good weekend after, uh, after TCU football was fun for the first time. in what seems like a long time. It was a very fun, fun game. Only you would drink tea based on the numbers. Uh, I think it's very fitting. Well, I'm not going to, I'm uh, not going to drink tea, not based on the number. I mean, you know, <laughs> maximum minimal, minimal effective dose, man. I haven't read studies based on eucalyptus, but hibiscus, by God, I'm going to chug that all day. Uh, yeah, you know what? Let's let's not bury the lead here. Um, very fun game on Saturday. Very weird game at points, uh, entertaining game at points. Uh, but TCU beats Oklahoma State 29-22 to to improve to 5-4 and four on the season. Uh, the second top 25 win uh, for the Horn Frogs this year. Uh, we'll both kind of give our overarching thoughts on the game, and I'll let you start, Parker. Um, well, I was going to say, before we do that, I have to ask you a question. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Does Mike Gundy have a Gary Patterson problem? No. He doesn't, but it's funny to look at this weekend, especially given, you know, there was conversation <laughs> yeah, no, about Patterson and Gundy and, you know, long tenured coaches <laughs> and kind of comparing them. You're like, I know which one I think I would want to be in charge right now. I, I think. Oh, obviously. Yeah. No, one I game doesn't one game doesn't like, you know, define that or whatever. But it was just kind of very nice confirmation bias this weekend to, uh, you know, to, 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 to see TCU win, win exactly in the style that Gary Patterson has been trying to win his entire time at TCU in that, um, you know, they, they played suffocating defense. Like, uh, honestly, I think if you cut out like yeah. three or four plays, uh, Oklahoma state just had, had nothing outside of those. Uh, and so again, early on, it looked really, really dire because there was, um, I, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to put officiating in the box and we'll, we'll open the box later. Is that fair? I'm going to put officiating in the box to start. Okay. Okay. We'll I, I, I have yeah. some thoughts, but you're right. Yeah. Let's put it in the box. Uh, so we, early we talked on, about this. I stole from the No Lang Up podcast. It's a, it, it, it's Amsterdam. Segregated. We'll talk about it later. Keep yeah. it isolated. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just keep just, it over there in yeah. Amsterdam. Yep. Um, and so, uh, and so there's the, you know, the scoop and score kind of to start the game. And then Oklahoma State drives down and, and gets a touchdown. Um, and you think, oh man, this could get very ugly. But you know what, Grant? TCU's offense, um, they they tried to run the Pro Wells play starting off. Uh, the very first mm -hmm. play was that. And I'll say he got uh, in, inhibited in his uh, ability to return the ball on that first play. Um, and then Indeed. TCU really was kind of going short and long and left and right and screen and, and, and a Zach Evans toss here and there. And, uh, you know, I have qualms and I'll talk about the negatives, but like I really think that – everything I yelled about after the Kansas game was, Hey, you've got to get max these high probability throws. You've got to get him going. And, and they try to do it. Um, I think the story of the game is that TCU was sputtering a little bit. And when they started to sputter, the play calling went back to the well of, all right, fine. We're going to go back to speed and space. We're going to go screens and goes and grant by God, Jerry killed did a good thing for TCU football this weekend, went over and talked to Meacham and effectively inferring from what happened said, Hey man, you're, 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 you're falling into bad patterns. Like stop this, change this. And he did change it. Um, and the offense became a lot better, uh, four straight drives where TCU, 
uh, should should have had points. Uh, uh, a bad miscommunication between Pro Wells and Max Duggan probably left three to six points on the uh, board, just given given what TC was doing. Uh, and, and probably Grant, the 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 most consistent four drives that you have seen uh, of TC's offense uh, in the Max Duggan era since since the beginning of last year, just four consecutive very very impressive drives. And the second half kind of went into that. We're going to run. We're going to slow down. There were some worries about. Um, you know, worries about fumbles and everything, but, but on the whole, I think if you can just put this game in a vacuum and, and not think about 2021 for a, for a bit, TCU played a ranked team who very much should have beat them and TCU imposed their will. They shut them down on offense and said, we're not playing a shootout with you, Mike Gundy. We, we are going to play a, a slow uh, defensive game and they were able to do it and, and they won and the offense looked good and looked good in the right ways in, uh, in about four drives in the middle of it, which is really, really fun to see. Yeah. It's TCU, uh, starting with the touchdown at the end of the second half, uh, scored touchdowns on three consecutive drives. Uh, the drives bracketing that were the aforementioned, uh, interception on the kind of the miscommunication between Duggan and Wells and then a fumble, um, that particular one was the Kendry Miller fumble uh, on the first play of the game or first play of the drive, which was disheartening. Yes, uh, I agree. I think um, I'll just kind of go down your, your list of points because you, you summarized a lot of things I was going to say. But, uh, you know, I've been I've been alone in, all in weekend previous, watching football. So I just had a lot of that pent up where I've just needed to get it out. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, by all that. means. Yes. Let it out, brother. Uh, the. Uh, the big plays from Oklahoma State, you know, it last year, for example, those those were game killers. Those were 90-yard touchdowns from Chuba Hubbard. Those were, you know, 70-yard touchdowns by Dylan Stoner. Um, in this game, there was a long Tylen Wallace touchdown, but besides that, those those big plays were, were were limited. You know, they didn't kill the game for TCU. Um the fumbles were disheartening and they and, and a lot of them were kind of drive killers and momentum killers, all that, if you believe in all in that type of thing. But TCU was moving the ball on a lot of those drives when those fumbles occurred, and and that's encouraging. Um, the like defense playing as well, well as it did, but they yeah, haven't done and, that and we're all running season. like no, and you know it, it it wasn't a single back that had all those problems. That's the weird thing about uh, TCU's offense is that we complain about them using all these running backs, and then three of them fumbled, and so did Max Duggan. So. You know, I, I guess that's a bonus. It's not like one, uh, it's like one running back has a fumble problem. Right. There uh, wasn't, there you wasn't know, one person who was struggling, even though TCU treated Zach Evans like it was his fault and basically just locked him away. Okay. I have a theory. Look, I have a theory. Ask the question and I'll answer. Yeah. Here's, 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 here's my thoughts. We're just going to delve down into this. Yeah. Zach, I'm actually happy with how TCU has used Zach Evans. And, 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 Bear with me here. Go they on. haven't used them as much as no. <laughs> they haven't used them as much as I would have liked them to use him. But when he signed this year for TCU, I was worried that he was going to be completely buried at the bottom of the bench and that they weren't going to use a five-star freshman running back at all. So the fact that he is getting ten carries a game, the fact that uh, he's allowed to kind of flex a little bit at the running passing routes for him, uh, he had the second most carries on the team behind Max Duggan. By the way, Max Duggan had 19 carries, which is probably too many carries for Max Duggan, though I love him so. Um, you know, there are guys ahead of Evans on the depth chart. Uh, we know what Gary Patterson is. We know what his offensive coordinators are. They were never going to give Evans 20 carries a game. It was unreasonable to think that. So the fact that he's getting 10, honestly – 
all things considered, I'm happy with it. And I think it's unreasonable to expect the TCU coaching staff to give Zach Evans 20 carries a game. I really do. And I think that he's the fact that he's leading the pack of the four running backs, really five running backs TCU uses pretty good. Yeah. And, and I agree with that to some extent They're they're kind of ramping it up. Uh, I think it's what the last three games he started. Maybe just, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think it's really funny because, you know, Gary says after the game that, um, you know, Brian Applewhite just puts whoever out there and Gary doesn't know who's starting. So like they asked him about, they asked him about Zach Evans starting and he said, Oh, you know, I just, I don't, I didn't even know who was starting. And then I saw him out there and I do kind of think Gary has like a very specific notion of what the freshman five-star stellar recruit should be allowed and asked to do in this offense. And so he's like, okay, yep. Two drives. Okay. Sit him like, Nope, that's enough. He's not, he's not, we're not, we're not, we're not. And there, there's some nuance there because like, Hey man, DeMarco Foster, who I think has struggled with a little bit of injury. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see him transfer. I don't want to wish that, but like you, you got to balance that because your running back stable can go from uh, amazingly full to empty very, very quickly. Um, yeah. Yep. So I, I totally get that, but it is just a little odd just to, just to see like Evans fumbled. Then it was like, ah, you're not, uh, you're not, yeah, you're not going to see the, uh, yeah, the field again, but again, he had the second most carries uh, on the team. Um, had had the touchdown, and that was after the fumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, I guess so they, they, they the rotated. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They rotated, and listen, at this point, um, I'm I'm fine with that. I I, yeah. I think that he'll have a a much larger role in the offense next year, um, especially with Demarcado graduating. I think uh, Evans will will step in there. Um, I'm not an idiot, right? Demarcado's a senior. Did I just say that? Okay. I asked uh, a friend of the podcast, Drew Davison, about this this offseason, and he and I talked ourselves in circles because he, so two years ago, he was a JUCO transfer. Right. And then last year, he, he was, was a sophomore. And he didn't no, play. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He, he was okay. injured and he didn't play four games. So he technically could have redshirted last year, but there was question about whether he actually did retain that year of eligibility. This year, on the, it doesn't. On the, on the TCU roster, he's labeled as a redshirt. Okay. And he's so, labeled as a junior. So, so my bad. yes. Okay, so, so this should be his that. senior season because this is his third season out of JUCO. No, this is it. Yeah. So, so this, this would, he would be gone. He should be a redshirt this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so he'll, he'll definitely be gone. I think, um, if only for the roster availability, I, I don't see a world where he comes back. I, well, that's the thing. Like it's his third season, but he's listed as a junior on the TC roster. Crazy. I mean, that would be a, yeah. a an embarrassing wealth of riches. Really weird. Uh, yeah. 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 Anyway, we're delving down into this, but anyway, I just wanted to say that I'm happy with like, that was the point I wanted to get out of this podcast was that I'm happy with how um, honestly that Zach Evans is getting as much playing time as he did. Um, we're going to write about different things this weekend, Parker. And I know you're going to kind of take the, uh, the, the offensive lead. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that on, on uh, the rest of this podcast. But I wanted to give a shout out to the TCU defense. Um, they've been kind of the linchpin of this team all year. Um, I think they've kind of been unfairly maligned at some points. And they've had tendencies to give up big plays. Uh, per pro football focus, TCU's defense received a 90 coverage grade this week. Um, they shut down Oklahoma State. Trevon Merrick had a 92.6. Uh, Travis Hodges-Tomlinson had an 88.3. Um, yes, the third-string cornerback that we're playing uh, got burned by Tyler Wallace, and that'll happen because it's Tyler Wallace against a third-string cornerback. But for the most part, the, the TCU defense played lights out. They did not let Spencer Sanders uh, 
be comfortable in the pocket at all. Uh, and I, I was overall very, very happy with how uh, TCU Davis played put in a hole uh, by that opening fumble recovery and, and really kind of answered the bell and came up with big play after big play uh, to, to seal the win. Yeah, definitely. They, um, I mean, man, they, they tried that, you know, we talked about on Wednesday, gosh, one, we just, we just, I, I'm very proud of our work this week, Grant. I'm very proud of your work because like, we just had a couple things that we wrote about last week that like came pretty true, you know, the Duggan yeah. single high safety <laughs> touchdown. And then the Oklahoma state went to Tylen Wallace. Like we talked about on the podcast five times uh, on that, on that kind of outside deep route. And four times it was against Trevious Hodges Tomlinson and there was nothing doing. And the yep. one time, the one time they got that, you know, 55 yard touchdown right there, Wallace finally was able to get the switch on Caesar. So I don't know if that was miscommunication on the play call and the secondary, if it was just, you know, the routes kind of did this, but they basically lined, lined Wallace up on the inside. They did a slant and then a go and ended up one-on-one coverage downfield with, with, with a, you know, a, a third star cornerback versus an, a third string cornerback versus an NFL uh, wide receiver. And so I, I don't fault them for that. Um, the other big one I do believe was Dylan's uh, yeah. Dylan Stoner, not Austin Stogner. I'd better do that every time Dylan. Yeah, Stoner, every time it's all right. Yeah. Stoner uh, on the left side of the field. Uh, and that was just for yep. 22 yards. And that one was also not against Tomlinson. Like it was, it was Caesar and it was kind of a late developing play. And so mm-hmm. on both of those, I mean, you, you talk about your ones on ones and I mean, Gosh, Spencer Sanders just had a terrible day. Uh, 44% completion. If you adjust that, it's 51%. But um, man, uh, he, he just, they just really couldn't get a lot going. Uh, you know, basically uh, a big play, kind of a, a short pass to the right that went for a big play. Uh, and then two, two deep balls, one in the middle of the field. But the rest of the time, man, like he just really wasn't doing very much. Um, what I think is interesting, he had a grade below 60 in uh all three middle of the field quadrants or like so between the numbers short middle and long below below 60 like they were not connecting on these kind of intermediate routes which is surprising to me because oklahoma state has a gigantic tight end just an absolute monster of a human being playing tight end and i i they did not get him the ball very much he had that one kind of bumbling stumbling but yeah 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 uh i also so i mentioned trevon merrick and, and again good for him i think he played really well um I don't know if Garrett Wallace could come back next year or not. He will have the extra year of eligibility due to COVID, but this was a senior day, I think technically, and we should give a shout out to Garrett Wallace. We should, if um, only for that video where he stared down the running back, uh, uh, yeah. Des Brown and, and waved at him to come get some like that's mm-hmm. hilarious. No, I know. Uh, Walla led the team in tackles, uh, 11 tackles today, as he's done um, for most of his career. Um, kind of a, a, a sentimental statement here. I know this senior year, he's been good his senior year. He, he was not as good as he was as a junior. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, as a junior, he was allowed to do everything. I think this year he's been forced into more of a specialized role, and a lot of that has to do with the uh, emergence of D. Winters, who I'm also really excited about. So his numbers haven't been as great, and, and he's kind of been beaten in coverage at points. Um but Garrett Wall has been a dude for yes. several years for the TCU football team. He is a great guy off the field by all accounts. I think his teammates love him, and, and I've kind of gotten that vibe uh, back when I was an actual journalist and reporting on things. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really happy that Garrett Wall was a TCU Horn Frog. And if he comes back next year, that's great. Um, if he doesn't, I hope he goes and gets drafted in the fifth round and turns out to be an absolute steal for a team. Um, I'm a huge Garrett Wall fan, always will be. Uh, 
and and this was a perfect day for for a senior day. Again, eleven tackles and TCB to top twenty five team. So shout out to you, Garrett Waldo. You uh you deserve all the praise in the in the world. Absolutely. And if I was you know just like a rote uh, TCU fan who was just trying to like spend things positively all the time, uh, I think it would be very easy to say like, hey, what is TCU? It's Garrett Wallow. It's a guy who was a, a yeah. safety who was undersized, who came to TCU. TCU saw something in him, you know, wasn't very highly touted recruit. And he uh, came in, filled a need, moved up to linebacker way before he was ready, played, put on weight, learned the position, um, and really just did a great job and became a, a cornerstone of the defense. And so that's, that's just, gosh, in terms of a, you know, college football gets so corporate these days and it's the playoff and, you know, Ohio state's facilities and remote classes and all this. And you forget that like college football is this fun student uh, centered experience, or it should be. And Garrett Wallow is actually absolutely the epitome of that student experience. So, so I really, I really like that. Yeah. It, it, he reminds me again, of a Carolina basketball fan. There, there was a point guard, Kendall Marshall, um, who was a lefty guy that just threw the, the weirdest bounce passes of all time. Yes. Sorry. Who, who does your, who, what basketball team do you root for? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> UNC and TCU, uh, TCU had a tough loss tonight to Oklahoma, uh, but UNC lost to Texas this week. So really, um, anyway, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, but, uh, yeah, guys like that have just kind of like fill a role, like do their job exceedingly well, um, and are really good guys and, and kind of fun to watch. Um, again, not, not being corny or hokey or anything, but that's kind of the point I think. And, and Garrett Wallow is like, deserves to be a fan favorite for the rest of his life. Um, it, it, like if, if he would have played on the 2011 team, he'd be tank Carter. You know what I mean? We kind of was one of the greats, you know, yeah. he, just, he just got stuck on a team with a bad offense, but there you go. Um, yeah. Love Garrett Wallow. Uh, and, and then again, the rest of the defense played extremely well. Um, Kari Coleman and, you know, I was playing golf with my dad today and he's like, Who, how old, uh, how old is that 32 guy? I'm like, well, you know, Oshawn Mathis is a sophomore. Um, and Mathis played pretty decently as did Kari Coleman. I was, Excited to see them. I know uh, Oklahoma State's offensive, top offensive lineman opted out last last week, but uh, the defensive line kept Sanders in check running, and I was I was excited to see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I mean, you know, yeah. So, so some uncertainty the offensive line, and again, there's there's a lot of growth that has to happen there. There was there's some some pretty bad run defense by the by the up front, but but the linebackers yeah, covered yeah. a lot there. Um, but yeah, again, 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 that, that's a, that's a position of weakness that has to, um, that has to improve this off season. And maybe will, when those two guys can work out together, play together and, and kind of learn, uh, the position a little bit more. But, um, I do say, I, I want to harp on Trevius Hodges Tomlinson again, because he is again, someone that wasn't expected to play last year and, and did play this year. Grant, he was targeted 10 times. He allowed three receptions. He broke up three passes. Um, Grant, his long was 20. So there was one, there was one where, where he didn't, he didn't get like burned or anything, but it was, uh, I, I do believe it was the, uh, I, I think it was the tight end in space kind of screen thing, but it may not be. It was, it was just a long play of 20 when he was targeted. Uh, so outside of that, that one play, uh, he was targeted nine times and gave up a total of 15 yards, only three yards after the catch. Um, that is, he covered Tylen Wallace the entire time. Yeah. Um, that is, yeah. that is amazing. He is a sophomore who weighs 165 pounds with bricks in his pockets. Um, and he just has a knack for the defensive position and that is, he has been quietly excellent and we haven't heard his name. Uh, and, and, and that's why is because he's, he's just been out there locking guys down. Like that's amazing. That that's almost how Jeff Gladney was his last two years is that you never really heard Gladney's name because they just didn't throw to him 
or you know all, all that thing. I mean, I, yeah, Hodges Tollinson is is fantastic. I'm really excited that he'll he'll be there. And oh yeah, I, I'm very excited. Tht will be back. And once that other uh, corner position is short up next season, I think 2021 again the year for TCU football. Uh, it, it's it's really exciting to see how how stacked our defensive backs will be, even without Merrick and potentially Washington next year. Um, they'll be very good. Yeah. I mean, dude, like, like you could start talking your, I think somebody asked about this on Twitter. Shout out to uh, maybe Steve. I don't, I don't remember who asked on Twitter. Sorry. Um, about, about that on Saturday morning and had me thinking, and man, you think about like Josh Foster and Nook Bradford have gotten a ton of time. They've gotten starters minutes this entire season. Uh, like Kendrick Van Zant is going to come back. Um, you, and so even if your two safeties leave, you've got all that grant Ataza Vongor and Bud Clark, just chilling, just waiting. Uh, man, I, I, you know, I, obviously Von Gore is a, a four-star who's, who's going to be a junior and hasn't really seen the field. So like maybe, you know, whatever, but I'm just saying you've, you've got a stable there on defense. I think there's every reason to believe that 2021 defense can be every bit as good as this year, if not better, um, which is, should be scary because ideally if you have Spencer Sanders and uh, a really robust running attack and Tyler Wallace, you should be able to score more grant than 15 points over the course of a game on offense. Just ideally. For sure. Yeah. I, I ideally. Yeah. And, and I'm big on Bud Clark. I can't wait to see him take the field. Um, Vonger, I agree, is a is kind of an unknown. Just um I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I do think he had a couple of injury concerns one of his years here. But anyway, uh yeah, I'm excited to see Bud Clark. Uh I, I think he's gonna be a headhunter. And uh we were talking in the old uh shout out Big 12 diehards Again, D Winters is 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 a man among boys. And I am excited to see him kind of take the, the step into the lead linebacker role uh, once Waller graduates. I think Winters is going to be a mainstay for the TCU defense. Um, I always love, you know, say what you want about Patterson. There's always at least one linebacker that you enjoy watching. And uh, that's going to be D Winters moving forward. For sure. Well, and it's kind of, you know, we'll talk big picture and I don't want to go negative here, but it always seems yeah, like yeah, TCU yeah. has great continuity on paper and then something happens. So hopefully Winters can, can make it out of camp uh, because you know, how many times have we seen like Trayvon Howard, like not, uh, not Trayvon Howard. Don't, uh, don't be negative. No, I'm trying to not be negative. I'm just saying on paper, it looks great. The other thing I really like Grant, and I, I'm not a defensive X and O's guys. And then we can hop over the, we can hop over the offense here in a second, but um, D Winters did a run fit. Shout out bets. Uh, no one follow him on Twitter. Ooh. He's a terrible person. Um, but uh D Winters did a run fit on the Spencer Sanders run. So the sequence was in a drive, uh, Garrett Wallow got sealed in, uh, the safety got bracketed by a corner doing a post and you had, uh, one defender, a cornerback on the backside, one-on-one with a running back. And that was the exact same way that, uh, Matt Campbell and Iowa State, uh, or I guess Tom Manning and Iowa State attacked TCU and tried to exploit the way their their runs fit because they're, you know, the overly aggressive uh, linebacker potentially can get sealed. And then if you get in the safety's way, there's just a lot of, of trouble there. And two plays later, Oklahoma State presented the same front, but Sanders kept the ball and Winters got outside and said, nope. And then Walla was right behind him and they got him for a big loss. Mm-hmm. And and Winters got burned on that on the backside earlier this year. Um and so, so, uh, not, not to be crazy, but just to like cover my bases, Garrett Wallow is the middle linebacker, which is kind of like the strong linebacker. Uh, and, yeah. and D winters is the weak linebacker, but the TCU calls them middle and, and weak, I think, 
uh, or Mike and Will, whatever your, whatever your terms are there. Um, and so Winters was on the backside and didn't get fooled by the zone read. He's learning, he's improving. Um, it's kind of like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. We are like, oh, they're figuring this out. It's going to be real scary. Uh, granted, mm-hmm. they, did, they didn't win, so, so not a great analogy. But all the same, there was that one particular, uh, one particular run fit where Winters showed adaptability uh, in something that earlier this season kind of kind of got him torched. You know, the only movie I've ever walked out of was the second Jurassic World movie. The second Jurassic World. Yeah, it, Jurassic World was fine. Wait, the wait, sequel wait, to wait. It. what's Jurassic World? Jurassic World is the reboot with Chris Pratt. Oh, they made a second? Yeah, it's the only movie I've ever walked out of. I can't imagine it's, it was very good. It, the first one was fine. The second one was very bad. Uh, yes, and by that, I'm going to start calling D. Winters the Velociraptor hitting it the next year. Um, yeah, so the defense played great. Uh, Max Duggan played great, and we'll get to him in a minute. But Parker, I know you have a lot of thoughts about the offense, um, and I know you've been cooped up for a weekend. Uh, so please give me your thoughts about the TCU offense uh, and, and and the wonders that Jerry Kill has worked uh, in the Oklahoma State game. Okay, I'm not a crazy person. I think there have been a lot of theories, a lot of them thrown by me. Nope, hold on. I'm just starting this over. I'm just going to keep rolling with this. Um, here's no, my no, question to Sonny Cumbie. What is it that you would say exactly you do here? Because Cumbie is not on the field. Cumbie is in the booth. Meacham has the play sheet. And Jerry Kill is talking to, to Meacham about the play sheet during the game. And then things are changing. Obviously, I'm sure they're talking to, you know, I'm sure Cumbie's talking to Duggan. They're, they're on the phone. Like, that's fine. It's just like, it seems like he's cut out of the play-to-play equation uh, a little bit this year, which is a very Gary Patterson move, in my opinion, to say you're still the you're still the offensive coordinator. Uh, nothing about your job title has changed. We're just going to change what you do, uh, and so I think that's interesting because I just don't know. There've been there've been a lot of theories thrown around, some some by me, and trying to work this out, trying to say something other than like, "Hey, Sunday Cumbie's a really bad play caller." And TCU doesn't have an identity. And both of those things working together are really, really hard. And I think that this is the first time all season where TCU was one healthy enough to be able to feel like they could do what they wanted to do on offense. And Jerry kill felt emboldened enough to make a dramatic change in the middle of the game. So Grant, they, they, they started, forgive this monologue, but TCU started the game, uh, you know, and they, they, they went to the, they went to the pro Wells play. They're moving back and forth. I think I, I said this earlier in the game, so I'm not a problem with this, but like before Jerry kill talked to uh, before Jerry kill was on the sideline, they, you know, right there talking to Doug Meacham, they're looking at the play sheet. Um, TCU uh, had, had Max Duggan had, he was 17 for 14 with 49 yards and he threw three passes to running back. So three of those 14 to running backs. Yeah. You may approach the bench. You said 17. Thank you. You said 17 of 14. You mean seven, seven of 14? Seven of 14. Uh, okay. All this hibiscus sure. tea is going on my head, man. It's been a crazy evening. <laughs> um, 17 for uh, seven for 14 with 49 yards, three targets to running backs. After that, for the rest of the game, he was only five of 12, but he had 236 yards and uh, had, had, had just two targets to running backs. So dramatic change there. They started rushing um, a lot more, especially in the second half when you, when you kind of think about that. 
Um, it, it makes sense because like, Hey, we've got a lead. We want to figure that out. They passed when they were down. Um, but, but on these kind of four drives, right. Everyone is complaining about the jet sweep, but Grant, I kind of love the jet sweep and, and here's why. Um, it's, it's not inside zone five times in a row. And, and the thing about jet sweep is that you can build on concepts. Uh, and so I think jet sweep is, it is an interesting way to kind of reunify the speed and space with the max Duggan power read and kind of go, go from there. And so a couple of those were RPOs where Duggan rightfully gave, and that's hard to watch grant and think, Oh, they're just running the same play. But it's like, man, if you run an RPO and the linebacker sits every time you can't throw that ball, you have to give it. Um, and so some of that was RPO. Some of that was just kind of, it, it, it's a little bit confusing because it was different, but it looked repetitive, but it wasn't as repetitive as, as, as it looked. Well, noted football analyst, uh, Kamonte Turpin noted that TC ran jet sweep four times in a row. Well, uh, the podcast has no comment on the opinions of, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I know what you mean. And, and, and I was, a bit concerned myself, but I also agree with what you're saying and that Doug and clearly made the read and said, Hey, the linebackers there, I'm not going to keep, or they're running too high safety, whatever. I'm not going to keep. And I, honestly, I had no major qualms with the play calling this game. I, I, certainly not as much as I have in previous games this year. Only, only on those four drives. Cause Grant, they, they went to like three or four goes that just were ass and yeah, and I mean, you, oh, you look you're right. We're going to the max segment. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. But so, so on those four drives in the middle, it always does on those four drives in the middle, Duggan was five for nine for 155 yards. Uh, and he had a 42 yard designed rush. TCU passed on only 40% of their early downs and they only threw two screens on that drive. Um, and, and, and the rest of the rest of their drives combined, they passed on just 26% of their early downs. It's like, there is this early down aggression and TCU was, was good at it. Grant, they also threw in the middle of the field. Um, and I think that's really, really important, uh, to, to look at, they, they moved the ball exceptionally well for four consecutive drives. Grant, they scored three consecutive touchdowns, which is the first time they've done that since Kansas last year. It is only the third time they've scored consecutively on three drives this season. The first time was three field goals against Texas. And the second time was a field goal and two touchdowns to start the Kansas game. So again, very, very little sustained success this year. And, and TCU put together four exceptional drives. Um, uh, and so that's, that's encouraging. Now we can have our qualms and I still have my qualms about like, Hey, I don't think this is the right offense for your personnel. I don't think you have an offensive identity. I don't think you can replicate this. And we'll talk about those big picture things. I don't think it's a long-term solution, but TCU was going into their speed and space kind of dumb old tricks and, and Jerry kill changed that. He did. And those goes were bad. And then eventually they kind of, worked away from it. Also, shout out to Quentin Johnston for um, bailing Duggan out on a couple of plays. Uh, I didn't see the 40-yard catch he had. Not the one where Duggan, where they were backed up against their own end zone, but the one that led to a, a touchdown that went down the field. Uh, I'm not going to comment on what – so ESPN cut away from the play as Duggan was cocking back to throw. Um, but they were doing it with the inter- – uh, it was an interview with the Oklahoma State's player's mom. I think that was battling cancer or a clip from her. I'm not commenting on that. I'm just saying I didn't see the Johnston catch. But anyway, he had a great game. I was very happy about that. So shout out to him for, for kind of bailing Duggan out on a couple of those long throws. I'm uh, commenting. He made the offense look good. He did. He did. I'm commenting on that. I would I would love to tune in to the uh, athlete relatives who are survivors of cancer channel. That would be great. I would definitely go out of my way to watch that. Just also, 
I just, I signed up for the TCU game. That's what I want to watch. Uh, like, like Clemson, Virginia tech had Ian book, the Notre Dame quarterback zoom. Yeah. Like his dude, his SID did him so dirty. Cause Ian book is sitting there looking like hell. Cause he just played a game and he has to mm-hmm. zoom in during the Clemson game and hear them talk about like style points. Like, what do you think about Trevor Lawrence? I don't know, man. I need an ice bath and a Gatorade. Like I don't want to be here right now. Uh, just very dumb. Um, we'll talk about interviews later when we talk about Coastal Carolina because I have a lot of things to say about Dustin Johnson, who has said ten words his entire life about college football. But yes, I agree. Oh uh, gosh, um, yeah. So other things on the offense. Let's let's cover our bases there because I'm I'm always bad about that. So TCU. Uh, 32% success rate on passing, but a positive EPA, positive 0.048. The first time they've had a positive passing EPA uh, all season. Uh, they rushed 42% success, but they had a negative rushing EPA that's largely tied to the fumbles. Um, that's probably closer to like 0.05, uh, not negative 0.15. Uh, Grant, they started on their 21-yard line on average, whereas Oklahoma State started on their 36. That's a 15 15 yard uh, field position ad- advantage for Oklahoma State. TCU, five turnovers. Oklahoma State, only one. But Grant, here's where it really comes down to, to two things TCU converted 41% of their third and fourth down attempts. Uh, Oklahoma State, only 37, but points per scoring opportunity. TCU averaged 3.5. Oklahoma State averaged just 0.9. They scored that one touchdown and then they missed two field goals and they stalled out. Um, and so, look, you just gotta, you've gotta finish drives. And TC was able to do it just enough today, uh, or Saturday rather, to, to really kind of flip this game on its head because everything you're looking at says, man, it, it really feels like TCU shouldn't have, shouldn't have won this game. But, but Grant, realistically, TCU left at least three points on the board with the Max Duggan interception, and Oklahoma State got gifted seven. This very easily could have been you know, 35, 15, that's, that's insane for, for TCU. It's absolutely insane. And I, I want to drill down on something Parker, since we already kind of touched on the Max Duggan segment, we might as well get into it. You mentioned TCU successes uh, on third and fourth down. How about that fourth down run for Max Duggan against a single high safety on an option keeper? Look, man, uh, who could have possibly say, seen this coming except subscribers to the Purple Theory newsletter? <laughs> they always say, don't get in a land war with Russia in the winter and uh, don't run single high against Max Duggan in an obvious running situation. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, like, don't, don't tug I, on. I, I love him. Don't tug on Superman's cape. That's all I got to say. <laughs> don't spit into the wind. Go pull the mask off the Unland Ranger and don't mess around with Max Duggan. Yeah, that's how that works. Uh, he. He bailed TCU out several times this game. Uh, God bless him. He is the, the once and king. Uh, and, and, you know, last week there was a screenshot of him flipping off Zach Evans. Um, but I did notice that uh, after Duggan scored that touch, that long touchdown run, Evans, the camera cut away just at the last second, but Evans was coming up to congratulate him on the sideline. So I don't think there's bad blood or anything. Oh, uh, I, I want to get I, that on the record. I fully took that. I don't know the timing. I have to go back. I just assumed that was Evans making fun of Max for not like making fun of, but joshing with Max because they oh, basically yeah. run that. They've run that seam route twice. And against West yep. Virginia, Duggan just put it a little too far forward. And against Kansas, it was just a little too short. And Zach's like, Hey, are you going to die? Are you going to dial it in? Are you going to give me the ball or whatever? And they're like, screw it. Right. So I took that all in good right. fun. It's good to see evidence of that. I did too. Um, here, here's my, 
I, I'm going to, I have so many words on this. I have too many words on Max Duggan because Grant, honestly, I let like four randos on Twitter annoy me and I've just started shadow banning them because I don't need to listen to people who are complaining about the quarterback play at TCU. So I'm writing a lot of those words and getting some of that out, but uh, Duggan three, three areas of the field, right? All, all downfield, all 20 plus. Okay. Outside left on Saturday, 0 for 4, 31.5 overall grade. Outside right, 0 for 3, 50 overall point grade. Zero yards on nine on seven attempts outside the numbers. Middle of the field, four out of five, 206 yards, a touchdown, 93.6 pro football focus, gosh dang grade in the middle of the field, 20 yards downfield. Grant, I don't like passer rating. It's very flawed. 158.3 is the highest passer rating you can get in the way it's calculated. 158.3 was Max Duggan's passer rating on those five attempts downfield. Uh, in the middle of the field. It's it's amazing to me that TCU keeps asking him to make these kind of touch precision throws when clearly he is a, you know, avoid pressure, find the guy downfield, extend the play, make these kind of middle of the field scheme your guys open throws. And like, you're right. If he's, if I'm talking about a Heisman level quarterback, if I'm talking about an NFL quarterback, no, Max, Max Duggan maybe could, could, could be in the NFL. Uh, but I, I mean, right now his passing is not amazing, but there's, there, there are aspects of his passing game where he is demonstrably, obviously more than competent above average, very good. And TCU just so reluctant to ask him to do that, which is, which is crazy to me. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I mentioned my dad earlier, he called me at the end of that game and we were talking football and I was like, yeah, you know, I don't understand why TCU doesn't use Duggan over the middle of the field and the intermediate passing game and things that we've talked about, but. Max Duggan has has several defined strengths that TCU can lean upon, and they really haven't chosen to lean upon them. But I, I, I guess being the Pollyanna, you just kind of hope and, and assume really that these being professional football coaches, saying that is that that's their profession, not that they coach in the NFL, that they'll figure out a way to say in the offseason to say, okay, here is what Duggan is good at. Maybe he'll develop those sideline throws. Maybe he won't, but by God, he can throw over the middle of the field. So let's run the pro Wells play. Let's get some of these receivers open downfield. Let's run Quentin Johnson on a post areas or, or, you know, other guys on a post and have him throw the ball. I mean, because it works, man. We saw it against the good defense, Oklahoma State's defense. It's not bad where Darius Williams was out for part of the second half, but it's not a bad defense. Yeah. And I think that's really where it comes down to is like, man, I just don't, um, I think you need, you need massive overhaul. I don't think you can keep doing this incremental. You can, I think, let me phrase that. We've, I've kind of said this all along, uh, but like if TCU wants to just ride out Max Duggan's development and make these marginal changes and then be fine, his, his junior and senior years, maybe go to the Alamo bowl, maybe sneak that new year six. That's fine. They can do that. I think if they dramatically overhaul the offense with the caliber of defense grant, we could talk about national competition. I don't know if TCU's interested in that. I don't know if they're interested in, you know, the political economy of personnel changes, but I, I, I think Max Duggan's going to keep improving in this offense. I think Max Duggan could be exceptional uh, in an offense that was tailor-made for him. And, and I think that's really what TCU needs to do. Let me ask you this. It, it, it's rare for quarterbacks to get worse, right? I, I think that the example I'm thinking of this year might be, <laughs> might be Bo Nix, uh, poor Auburn. Um, Bo Nix just got here, So he was always... He, he may have, but but it, it's weird. It, it's rare for a quarterback to get worse, right? And if you do things often, you'll get better at them statistically. Uh, so you just you have to assume or hope that Duggan will get better if he's healthy. 
Um, well, I say that. Charlie Brewer and Sam Ellinger may have gotten worse, but I don't want to delight in their misery too much. Um, well, Charlie Brewer is a corpse. That's not Charlie Brewer is hurt. Mean. Yeah, Charlie Brewer is not a not a fully functional person at this point. But um, yeah, I, Duggan will get better, and it's just a question of whether or not the TCU coaching staff wants to also get better. To put it distinctly, yeah, and, and um, it's weird because they're simultaneous, and we can we can talk more about that later. Let's, yeah. it's, it's a pre, yeah. it's a review comment. Can can, I, can we talk about the, talk about the interception? Um, yeah, okay, that was a very fine ball thrown by Max Duggan to absolutely the wrong route of the field. Um, and yeah. so what happens there uh, again? Just because I've been watching a ton of Ron Mackey's uh, kind of air raid videos online and just like learned a bunch about film as I can. That right there is Pro Wells lines up in the slot. He's the Y receiver. Max Duggan threw Y corner. And so what you do on Y corner is you go, and the trouble is, of course, it's an option route. And so it's kind of like feeling the safety. Um, and that's the reason that in the air raid, you have to do so many reps. There's, you know, the, the magic, the golden rep or whatever, because you've got to get so comfortable that your safety, your, your, your receiver and your quarterback are making the same read. And so what happened there is Pro Wells got there, felt pressure, from the safety and broke it flat. Max Duggan saw the safety inside pro Wells or excuse me, outside pro Wells and saw that Wells had the alley to the, to the pylon open Duggan threw that Wells broke the, the safety watched it happen in real time and went and picked off a ball that pro Wells should have had inside leverage on and either been able to make a play or it was out of bounds. Um, and so that was bad on Duggan because he, he made a misread. Uh, or it was, uh, you know, at, at best a miscommunication with pro Wells, that wasn't an opportunity to say like, Oh, Duggan threw a pick. His accuracy is terrible. Like that, that's the kind of thing where, Hey, I want to run that play six more times this game and have you figure out in real time this, that was, that's what the Kansas game could have been. That's why I was so mad right. about Kansas games. Like you could have run that play 13 times. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, well, and it out. well, here's the thing. We've seen Duggan make those bad throws. When he was a freshman, we saw it three times against Oklahoma State last year. He made three bad throws, and they wound up being interceptions. This was a misread, and sometimes quarterbacks will make make misreads. Uh, a sophomore quarterback that should be still on the bench behind Sean Robinson uh, or Justin Rogers, you know, he'll make that misread. But, again, as reps continue, as you said, he will not make that misread. Um, again, like you said, we've seen bad throws. Not a bad throw, just a mystery, and that'll happen. Yep, yep. You don't have to invent ghosts like Duggan's a sophomore quarterback who has his flaws, but again, there is no magic switch to flip. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, D- do you have any other uh, final thoughts on the Oklahoma State game before we go? Uh, before we close out, go a little no huddle here. No, uh, subscribe to the Purple Theory newsletter. Big old piece from me. Really good defensive piece from Grant in the morning. Lots of good content. So make sure that you're um, that you're you're subscribed because that's where the rest of our Oklahoma state thoughts will be. And they're good. Yes, they are very good. Um, couple quick things, coastal Carolina, BYU brother, hell of a game. So fun. What, what so else fun. do you want? I mean, there's, there was hating. We don't, we get so little, just honest to God. I hate you because you're playing against me. Uh, and there was, there was hating between those two teams. Uh, just, just a lot of fun. Every coastal Carolina lineman is five, nine and angry. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what ha- like what what video are you showing that like Jamie Chatwell's just in the li- locker room and he's looking at that little butterball center who is athletic as hell and he's like, "You know what 54 said about your mother?" And like this guy's <laughs> just sitting there seething. It's uh, and you love it. Like that's great. That's awesome. That's Oh yeah. 
that's, that's a lot of fun. And um, I, I think that I admire BYU for, for doing the game. I know that they had tried a couple games and there was some tenuous, you know, Washington was going to potentially dump them for Pac-12 game and they wanted a guarantee and people were kind of making fun of them. Mm-hmm. And BYU went and played at uh, a top 15 team that they had never played before, a coach that they had no scouting on, and an offense that was vastly different than anything they have played probably in, you know, recent history. Um, a decade? And had yeah. two years that they had to, or t- two days to adjust for it. And so I think Coastal Carolina obviously had an advantage there because one, they're home. They knew they're, you know, carrying up. But like the similarity score between Liberty's offense and BYU's offense is way closer than the similarity score between anyone BYU's played and, and Coastal. And it's not like Coastal ran over them, but I think talent and, and talent mitigated by effort on Coastal Carolina's part. Um, kind of was was pretty close and that you could you could kind of see that strategy happen but who buddy i would not have punted the ball to zach wilson with a minute left timeouts or no timeouts no. i would have gone for it on no. fourth and two man uh yeah. that was terrifying because it looked like a second he was gonna he was gonna do it yeah uh coastal carolina was a 10 point underdog in this game possibly the easiest uh, money i have made all year for me oh yeah absolutely um one other thing that I have a little bit of breaking news for you, Parker. Um, Texas Tech 16, Kansas 13. Wolf. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone had fun. Uh, I wish I didn't know about that game, honestly. <laughs> I, uh, I follow some tech people on Twitter. Uh, one of them before the game was outwardly rooting for Kansas. They say, hey, let's end a Matt Wells era now. And I was like, wow, this is overkill. And then the game happened. I was like, on second thought, maybe it's time for a reset. Uh, is um, yeah, not fun at all. Is Matt? I'm I'm vamping for a second while I type and get my. Uh, I, I really want to see this. Box no, go part. ahead. This is good is, audio. Is Matt Wells a jerk? I don't know. I don't think so, dude. They flipped on him so fast. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, I, they. I, I think oh, it's, man. I think it's Cliff laid a base that was at least. Look, we might not win eight games, but by God, we're going to be entertaining. And then Wells has turned it into, hey, we might not win six games, and also we're not going to be entertaining. So I could God. see how that flipped. Worst of all worlds. Okay, let me just read you some facts from this Kansas-Texas Tech game because it's terrible. Success rate, Kansas, 27. Texas Tech, 32. Turnovers, Kansas, 0. Texas Tech, 4. Points per scoring <laughs> opportunity, Kansas, 2.6. Texas Tech, 1.1. Uh, third down conversion percentage, Kansas, 22. Texas Tech 27 passing EPA Kansas negative 0.417 Texas Tech negative 0.405 has to absolutely be the worst passing game uh, of the season possibly ever I'm going to dive into this because I've got to find out no way two other teams have played each other and both averaged a negative 0.4 or worse EPA per play Grant that is almost a half point of expected value that you're hurting your team by every time you pass both teams did it grant both of their rushing epas were below negative three this is an awful game no one should ever go back and watch this this has to be one of the worst power five games statistically that i have ever even heard of incredible you wonder do you want to break this down over the off season i do grant texas tech started at their 42 (laughs) shut up no they didn't did they 
That might be, sometimes the API is a little wonky. That looks a little weird. I'll, I'll go back and look at this. Yes, this off season, we should try and contextualize this because honestly, it's like Kansas 2018. Like, let's just go through the bad games of the can of, of modern Kansas. That'd be fine. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, okay, and, and a little bit of breaking news for you here, and, and this may not surprise you, uh, but per, and I can't believe I'm citing him, per Chip Brown of Horns 247, Texas's flirtation with three-time national championship coach Urban Meyer appears to have come to an end, a source informs Mr. Brown. How uh, how bad does your situation I, have to be that you 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 offer someone $12 million and anything they could ever want, and they're like, mm, I'm fine. I don't want to do it. You know what? I wonder if Spanish Oaks just isn't offering any new golf memberships and <laughs> Urban was like, you know, I'm not going to come back unless I can get the whole family involved. No, I, I um, that surprises me and also doesn't surprise me. Uh, I do think Urban will return to college football. Um, I think he's waiting on Clay Helton to lose the right game uh, at USC. But, yeah, as it appears, uh, according to Mr. Brown, who has not always been right, I'll say that on air because it's true, uh, Urban not in line to be the coach of Texas. So, Hopefully this means Tom Herman staying, baby. He scores 69 points against Kansas State. You get to keep your job for another year. I don't wish this uh, because ultimately Chris Del Conte is a fine person and he's very career ambitious and like, so whatever. I'm not like, hey, your life should be ruined or whatever. It would be cosmically, existentially uh, hilarious if the Texas boosters get so mad about Urban that they end up firing CDC and leaving Herman for another year. <laughs> That's not off the table. Nothing is off the table at the university of Texas, the dumbest university in the world that also happens to have the most money in its athletic program. Uh, gosh almighty. Uh, also one other result in the bit 12, we should talk about Iowa state's good Parker. Oh, I, well, I want to talk about two. Other. I want to talk about two others. I want to talk okay, about go ahead, go ahead. But, but I, okay. But Iowa state's good. Iowa state is West Virginia is bad, but Iowa state is good. Yeah. So this is, this is a moment where I have kind of looked at and been like, man, I wonder if um, the way that I interplay kind of offense and defense in my model is not right. Uh, because West Virginia has the best defense in the big 12. Any statistical way you slice it, their defense is excellent. Um. And Iowa State just whooped that ass. Uh, 52% success rate, 67% of available yards gained. So again, you know, if you start on your own 25, there's 75 yards there. Available yards is like what percent of total yards did you get? 67%. They converted over 66% of their third down uh, overall, and they averaged 1.185 EPA per pass. 1.185 expected points added per pass, a 70% passing success rate. That is just absolute demolishing uh, a very, very good defense. Yeah, again, uh, someone on the broadcast for that game said that Brock Purdy will be a Heisman candidate next year. I'm going to go ahead and say that's not true, um, but I admire the, the gusto. Wasn't Brock Purdy supposed will. to be a Heisman candidate this year? I think anyone who said that is probably uh, um, doing some illegal substances. But sure. I said, I said before so, the season, but, but, I'm fine to say Brock Purdy was like 
man, it was like, would you rather have him or Ellinger? Those are probably the best two quarterback that ended immediately. As soon as I saw Spencer well, throw the ball, I was like, Nope. Okay. They're worse. And he started off really, really bad. He's rounded into form, but that's the whole critique of Brock Purdy and of Iowa state is like, Hey man, do it for 12 games. Uh, do it for an entire season. And like Iowa state uh, always does something weird. Kirk Herbstreet, who I like on the, uh, on college game day said that, uh, Sam Ellinger has had a like I don't know something like a legendary career at the University of Texas and or, or a stellar career or something like that. And I was like, well, I I think the numbers would agree to disagree. But uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so same with Brock Purdy. Uh, I, I just disagree. I'm pulling this up now, Parker, and I want to stick on this for a minute. Um, how many touchdowns? Okay, so Brock Purdy is 17 touchdowns passing. This year, Max Duggan has nine. Max Duggan has nine touchdowns rushing. Max Duggan has 10 Brock passing Purdy touchdowns. Has... Darius Davis dropped okay, one. Okay, my bad. That one counts. You're right. Okay. Okay. Per sports reference, uh, uh, Brock Purdy has 23 total touchdowns. Max Duggan, uh, or excuse me, no, uh, 21 total touchdowns. Max Duggan has uh, 18. Per the Parker Fleming metric, Max Duggan has 19. Uh give Max Duggan a year and he's going to be waxing Brock Purdy in the metrics. Um, what are the other big 12 games you wanted to talk about? Uh, just Oklahoma Baylor was like profoundly weird for a little bit, just because very clearly Dave Aranda knows what he's doing, particularly against Lincoln Riley for long enough to kind of ice over the fact that Baylor's defense is very young and very inexperienced. Um, that game to me though, was a little bit terrifying for the future of the big 12, because it does look like Aranda is smart enough to play with Lincoln Riley for a half with no nobody uh, on his on his defense, and so if he can get his guys, you could see just man another really really good defense kind of happening. I kind of agree, but think about last year because Baylor was up on Oklahoma twenty one nothing at Baylor, and Oklahoma came back and won. But it was like, oh wow, Baylor has shut down Oklahoma's offense, and then Oklahoma won anyway because Oklahoma always wins, but. Right. Um, well, we've seen yeah. this before. Oklahoma always wins, I guess, except when they're paying, playing Chris Kleiman or Matt Campbell and don't have their, you know, full roster. Uh, Oklahoma. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean? I want to see what this final number is. Cause I, I like, I like watching most of them went to bed, but I mean, only a 36% success rate on the game for Oklahoma, only 42% of average uh, of available yards, 50% passing success rate, but a negative passing EPA that's probably related to the turnover. Uh, and then a negative rushing EPA. So, I mean, Baylor, you know, Oklahoma state ultimately uh, wasn't, wasn't really able to like pull away, but they were able to say, Hey, we're obviously more talented than you and we can do the right plays. So um, I, I agree. This isn't like program defining. I think that's probably like Baylor speak to say, Oh, Aranda's a, you know, Aranda's a wizard and the future Baylor's. Incredible. I'm just saying that's something to keep tabs on as, Hey, there are a lot of very good defenses in the big 12. And it looks like Baylor is going to be a school that continues to have one of those very good defenses. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of the defensive wave in the big 12 continue as kind of the next crop of quarterbacks grows up. I was told the big 12 didn't play defense. Well, I was told that it's it's there's no Big Twelve, um, there's no Big Twelve defensive wave. It's just that all the quarterbacks that you think are good are actually bad. Hmm. Really makes well, sense. Well, people thought people thought Sam Ellinger was good and he's bad. So no, Sam Ellinger's fine. Sam Ellinger's <laughs> fine. He's a ten out of ten sacrificial lamb. Like you can't ask him to do more he, than he's doing. 
Sam Ellinger is the most fine quarterback that has ever existed. Very fine quarterbacks fine. on both sides of the Big 12. <laughs> okay. All right. What was the other <laughs> game you wanted to talk about? And with that, Grant's going to probably end the <laughs> podcast now. No, 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 no. He had one more thought. What was it? Um, no, Oklahoma Baylor was one I watched. Uh, the other thing is uh, it just must be really nice to be Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama. Yeah. Like he obviously has gotten the help he needed, which is great. Uh, for, for those yep. who don't remember, he like really actually struggled with like alcoholism, alcoholism on the mm-hmm. job and it was a really bad situation and kind of was like a butt of jokes, which looking back is pretty nasty. Uh, but, uh, it mm-hmm. seems like he's in a great place. Seems like he is functional and he just has all these shiny toys to play with. And man, LSU just continued to play man coverage and Mac Jones, just continue to find Devonta Smith. Just, just so impressive. Just so effortless. Uh, really, really impressive. Yeah. I, so I, I don't want to get into Heisman talk because it's boring and reductive and national media like type. But Devonte Smith is might be the best player in college football. Uh, I, I don't especially when you go like relative him. to who, like relative to his position. I don't know if anybody's even in the same stratosphere, man. He is unbelievable. That one-handed catch he made was incredible. And to his credit, Jones is putting these throws on the money. Um, two of Devontae Smith's touchdowns, like Jones threw and then put his arms up all basically as the ball was in the air because he knew he made a good throw and Smith was going to catch it. But uh, I'd forgotten Smith was the guy that caught the touchdown that won Alabama the national title over Georgia a couple years ago as a freshman uh, with yeah. Tua throwing to him. And now he has Matt Jones, who appears to be uh, just as accurate and also like with a great arm. And it actually, as it turns out, Alabama knows how to have quarterbacks now. So that's kind of terrifying. Uh, but it, it, it's another Alabama death machine that either Notre Dame's defense or Clemson's full powered offense is going to have to stop uh, because I don't think any other team in the country can beat Alabama. Ohio State, we haven't seen them tested yet, but it, it might just be another Alabama championship year. I th- Which is I fine think, because I I enjoy watching Alabama. I really do. I've never had a problem with them. I think they're entertaining, and I, I think that level of sustained excellence, almost kind of without the annoying veneer of the New England Patriots, is is very entertaining. Oh, absolutely, and, and it's kind of like, hey, man, if they, you know, if if my team's not going to win, I don't want anyone else to get a championship, and Alabama getting a championship kind right. of feels like the default. Plus, you know, my brother-in-law's a good. Uh, He's a good, he's a good Alabama fan. So I'm, I'm always happy with that. Okay. Last, last thing I, I want to talk about the receivers. I'm just looking at receivers who are listed on pro football Focus's draft board ahead of Devonta Smith. And I just want you to tell me yes or no. Would you draft this person over Devonta Smith? All else equal. So you okay. need a receiver in the draft. Okay. okay. Jamar chase. Maybe. I know it's a cop out. Maybe Jamar chase is very good. Jalen Waddle. <laughs> maybe we're going I'm very in maybe waddles waddles awesome kyle pitts no no uh the next one down there is rashad bateman i i i'm sorry who does he play for minnesota okay no he's good he's an nfl guy but no no, no I, I believe he's good i believe he's good but no and then uh, the the last two, one of these is unfair. Rondell Moore is an entirely different player. I don't think it's smart to compare them, so I'm going to skip him. Also, no, to be uh, clear. Yeah. I'm on Raw St. Brown from USC. 
No. So all these players are listed ahead so of Devonte Smith. More and more and Brown are the ones behind him. But you look at this class and you think, I think Smith might be better than Chase and Waddle, dude. Like, but but even even for oh, this draft class yeah. to have all three of those guys, that's insane. But Smith mm. is doing things. Smith is not just doing regular good receiver things. He's doing world changing receiver things. Oh, he, he is, and I, I think he kind of suffers from the. Um, like sustained level of excellence problem to where he's been good for three seasons now and has continued to perform. And it's like, Oh, well, yes, obviously Devontae Smith, but like Jalen Waddle kind of had a breakout year this year before we got hurt. So it's like, wow, Waddle's the best athlete of all time. And as it turns out, actually no Devontae Smith is just an incredible wide receiver. Um, and Jamar chase, I I'm still hung up on his year last year with Joe Burrow throwing to him, but Jamar chase is extremely good. I, I if I had to rank them, I might, Dude, I'm a big Jalen Waddle believer. I might have them Waddle Smith chase, but Just I would draft all three of them and be happy. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, they're last, all incredible. I didn't mean to get to the PFF draft board, but here we are. And then we'll wrap up and actually get out of here. But here we there are. are three TCU players in the top 125 on the Pro Football Focus draft board. Can you name all three of them? Draft board. Um, Merrick? Yep, he's he's so Merrick is first. Okay. He is 29th overall as a safety, so first round pick. Uh, the highest safety, not the highest defensive back, but the highest safety in the draft. Nice. Um, is Ardarius up there? Ardarius has fallen a little bit. He looks like he has fallen out of their second round grade. Uh, he is okay. the one, two, three, fourth uh, highest safety overall at number 66. So I guess that's still. No, that's just out of the, the second round. That's that's just out of the second, but that's fine. Um, yeah. That's a second round grade. All right, the third one is, yeah. is a substantial dip down from them. Is it Wallow? No, it's not Wallow. This sh- this shocked me. I'll give you one more guess. It is a defensive player, obviously. It's a defensive player. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bethley? No, that's dumb. Who, who did you say? I don't know. Who is it? It's Noah no, Daniels. It? What the hell? Yeah. 124th overall, Noah Daniels. Uh, okay. I, yeah. Very, very impressive, evidently. I mean, he's, sure, he's good. He can't be healthy, though. I don't know how much that goes into this, but that was that was kind of amazing. Uh, very shocking to me. I thought it might be. I, I said Corey Bethley, but I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I Noah just can't Daniels, see. Huh? He hasn't made that big of an impact, but I could see that happening. No, no. Yeah, I mean, I, like Bethley, like he was honorable mention all Big Twelve two straight years, and for some reason the pros love TCU defensive tackles. Yeah. Um, no, with Daniel. Well, good for him. Yeah, go get go get paid, man, or stay another year get and paid. get healthy and shore up that other quarterback position. Sure, like that part. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this has been a really fun ride. Uh, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. Uh, TCU, great win over Oklahoma State. Again, should be noted, second win over top tw- uh, AP Top 25 team this year. Um, nothing, well, 95% good things to say about the Frogs after Saturday. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the referees. Well, you know what? The less said about the referees, the better. Subscribe to the Purple oh. Theory Podcast. We'll talk about it on Wednesday if I have a second beer. <laughs> <laughs> you will. Uh, <laughs> Subscribe to the Purple Theory Podcast. Uh, follow Parker on Twitter at Stats of War. He's got a ton of graphs uh, for you to look at. You can also follow me. I'm Grant McGalliard at Grant McGalliard. spelled exactly the way it sounds. A lot of vowels in there. 
Uh, we'll have a lot of stuff on the newsletter this week. Parker's recap, my recap, a preview of Louisiana Tech. Uh, so we'll see them on Saturday. And probably I'll, I'll probably write something else. Yeah, Parker's also got something. I've got the I've got the Pro Wells play thing in the in the uh, in the shoot. I need to get that out too. Uh, programming note: Stats War is uh, closed uh, from okay. Thursday until Monday. So Grant and I have talked about that. Grant's going to be tweeting about the game. Get you the Monday recap. Uh, have some special surprise for the for the podcast on Sunday. But I, so I am going to try my best to get an advanced stats Louisiana Tech preview out earlier in the week. Uh, because I will be off in the wilderness for, for a couple days this weekend. Uh, and, and so uh, that's, I just wanted to say that for subscribers, we're, we're going to get you the Louisiana tech coverage. It's going to look a little different timing this week. Cause I'm going to be, I was planning on this being a TCU buy and it is, it is not. Yes. Parker is going to Brazil to do ayahuasca. Um, so you will not see him this weekend. Alexa, what's uh, ayahuasca? <laughs> You don't know what ayahuasca is? No, I do. I just thought it was funny to pretend I didn't. Okay. Just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Sorry to ruin the joke. Um, that is it for us. We will see you Wednesday night. Uh, we will have a podcast this midweek, and we will release it uh, Thursday morning before Parker goes on his soul-searching trip. Uh, for now, go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.